Hello. Welcome to 26.1 AI Podcast. Today we have Dr. Beverly Wright joining us to discuss the intersection between academia and corporate practice of AI and data science. Welcome, Welcome Beverly. Hey, you guys. Thanks for having me. So we met in uh, we met in Georgia with one of your analytics groups, and I hear you're involved with quite a few. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in hearing how you got involved to start with, and how does that relationship work, and how to make it better? Yeah. So um, I'm um, connected to most of the schools here in the Atlanta area. So I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have quite a few great universities and institutes right here in our backyard. So um, what I'll do is I'll tell you a little bit about um, the different types of engagements and um, and talk about what you guys can do. Like, I feel like corporate America needs to be a little more connected to their schools and schools are trying. I, I guess I see it from both sides. <laughs> They're trying to connect and reach out and, and bridge that that gap. Uh, so I can I can give some suggestions on how to go about doing that. Should Excellent. I, do I think that would be very yeah. Should I should, let me give you a quick background of my of myself so that you understand where my perspective is coming from? Is that okay? Absolutely, please. Okay. Well, my experience comes from uh, three main I guess you want to call them domains. In some ways, it's the same type of work, but just done in different contexts. Uh, the first not in any particular order, but the first leg of my experience tool, if you want to call it that, is uh, corporate side. So I've either um, been an individual contributor or a team lead for different data science and analytics groups within uh, different companies like Southern Company or Truist and Cox Communications. And then my second leg is uh, academia. So I've been in the academic space for about 15 years my most recent full-time post was at Georgia Tech, where I met you, Brian, and I was um, leading the analytics center and teaching master's and doctoral students in um, an analytical methods course. And then the third leg of the stool is in consulting. So I, I still, as part of consulting, kind of help bridge those gaps, and uh, I'll give some examples as to, as to how I've done that. So with that, with that background, um, there are many ways to <laughs> connect industry with academia, but uh, but first let me let me find out uh, from from you guys. What do you think is why do you think this is important? Like what why should we bother connecting academia with um, industry? What do, what do you guys think? First off, I mean the the biggest challenge I've also I've seen is the movement of people from academia to corporate America and the there's a whole different way of thinking about arguing a point and connecting with the business and all of that. I think that's one big challenge. And I think the reverse is true too. I think that the business oftentimes has a hard time figuring out how to understand the academic process and get that as part of their contribution delivery into science and the business. Yeah, there are so many reasons, right? Like the the intake of recent graduates and understanding where they're coming from and what they've how they've been trained and where, you know, where they need to sort of enhance them once they land on their property is an interesting conversation that I feel like doesn't happen until they they have the the uh, recent hire on their campus. 
<clears throat> and then the other side, which, um, which is where academic institutions are developing curriculum and uh, they, they want, you know, I'm, I'm sort of taking the side of academia, if you'll notice, <laughs> but they, they want to hear from corporate. They need to hear from them. And they um, oftentimes really try to get them engaged. And it can be, it can be really difficult. So I think there's benefits on, on both sides. And then the third group, let's not forget, are the, um, the individual talent groups. And so these are the people that are being sort of tossed around between the academic institution into the corporate world. And um, I think they, they would definitely benefit from uh, greater conversations that are happening between the two groups. So here are some, here are some ways that, um, that I've engaged or have um, stimulated the engagement between academia and um, corporate institutions. Number one, um, I run hackathons. I build and run hackathons. And this is something that you can do. So if you have a favorite school, um, go to your alma mater and, and see, see how you can engage with this. But to give you an idea, um, the hackathons involve taking a business problem, say, from a company, like let's just company X, um, there was a really, really large company recently <laughs> that we did a hackathon with at Georgia Tech. Uh, and I, I called it the Master Modeler Competition the first year I did it. And then we started modifying the naming a little bit. And now we're calling it the Master Data Science Challenge. But it's a um, institute-wide hackathon among Georgia Tech students from multiple disciplines. And you know what's interesting, guys, is that the, um, the multidisciplinary groups tend to um, tend to win these competitions. So if you're a computer scientist or applied statistics or business or, you know, engineering type of student, you oftentimes get sort of stuck in that zone with students that are just like you. <laughs> and so this is a way to collaborate with other types of students across the campus that maybe you wouldn't have an opportunity to do that. So anyway, these hackathons, like let's say you, company X comes to the school and says, I would like to donate some prize money and some administration fees and have you guys run a hack using our data. Now the benefits on the company side are pretty, pretty awesome. Not only do they understand more about the actual business question that they're trying to solve from an outsider perspective, but having these hackathons with their local schools can serve as a really great pipeline for talent. And a third benefit is that these companies, um, they can serve as judges, you know, and they can work with the students through the process. So it helps enhance their own people's abilities to um, lead teams on a data science project like this, as well as stimulate more innovative ideas about how they go about approaching their own data science projects. Uh, and then another one last benefit is if that's not enough, right, <laughs> is these hacks that are collaboratively formed between the, the companies and the universities, um, they can also provide a great deal of exposure for the company, right? So if you're company X and you're trying to solve problem Y, then um, you work with your school to do that. You can talk about that most of the time. I mean, unless there are NDAs or restrictions or whatever, but it's a nice bragging point that you can um, tout on your social media channels and to sort of get awareness 
um, out to your customers that this is one of the ways that you give back to the community as well as um, learning more about them. So those are hacks. Does that all make sense so far? Oh, it does. Absolutely. And um, when I get a chance, I'd love to follow up with a question about the constitution of what the recruiting team should look like in the companies trying to recruit this talent, by the way. But please yeah. go on. Okay. Another, um, another practice that I try to either participate in or encourage others to participate in is just serving on some of the boards, right? So at Georgia Tech, I'm part of the um, Master of Science in Analytics board. And what we do is um, we are able to help um, encourage that, that curriculum. And, you know, so for example, there could be some considerations around a specific track or a designation or um, uh, auxiliary type of training. And the board of directors will help guide and um, encourage the producers of that curriculum to say, hey, you know, we really are seeing these kind of issues with recent graduates, not necessarily from your school in particular, but just in general. And so, for example, it's um, what I'm hearing often, by the way, is that the technical abilities of recent graduates of data science programs is top notch. But as an example, they may say they just don't know how to tell the data science story or they don't really understand how to figure out what problem they're actually solving, like problem framing is oftentimes um, a challenge. Or I'm not seeing enough autonomy and curiosity from my data science. So in other words, by having these conversations with corporate leaders that are hiring data science graduates, the school's able to better say like, oh gosh, we need to, we need to find a way to, you know, better instruct them on um, problem solving, not just developing models that are awesome, but actual problem solving. Or we need to, you know, see about maybe getting them into um, the boardroom and so that they can communicate better. So they learn how to tell the story in a way that makes sense and that resonates and that actually answers the original business question. So that second piece being that um, the ability to help direct, inform the um, developers of the curriculum, I think is a, is a really important one. It benefits, you know, all three parties. Would you believe that there's uh, a skill gap sometimes that occurs, you know, between, you know, the analytical minded data scientist and, you know, those who are creating those curriculums? Absolutely. Um, so the data scientists and the people that are creating a curriculum. So one of the challenges is that, and, and this is a tricky one, the people that are creating curriculum are oftentimes academics. And academics are oftentimes on one side of the desk or the other for their entire career. Now, I think that's becoming, there's research actually that shows that that's becoming um, less common, but it used to be very common to see one, you know, a professor that has never been in the uh, corporate world that's creating curriculum to help prepare people to go into the corporate world. So <laughs> they, they, don't, they have to really rely on outsiders from companies to direct and guide those, um, those efforts. Otherwise they're, they're stuck in, you know, in relying on like textbooks and, and, um, it helps to know from, 
from real practitioners what the needs are. So yeah, absolutely. I would say that there's a challenge there and that oftentimes there is a gap. From my perception, um, and this was a long time ago, campus recruiting is there's a season for it. There's a representative from the um, company that comes to campus, does interviews, selects some candidates, and then they get into this very normal recruiting funnel run by very um, predictable kind of um, roles for the employers. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when you're talking about trying to influence those students while they're still in school, that doesn't work if you just show up in the junior or senior year, for example. That's and right. Then That's right. The, the attack activity of the people would be really sharing what the company does, what their tools look like, um, how to be successful in solving those kind of problems. And that's a role that um, Brian and our and I are, are familiar with seeing with uh, dev evangelists. So like mm-hmm. Data Robot or Databricks, they send out professionals who are entirely tasked with um, interacting with the users or getting new people to try out their products and get excited about it. And that that's, that's a role that doesn't seem to exist for any kind of uh, recruiting organization as far as I know. Well, I think the, um, the paradigm for our, or at least a framework for how to bring on talent is changing. So for example, it used to be you go to a career fair and that was the only outlet that you had at schools. Um, but it's not really like that anymore. I mean, maybe that's the official way to bring someone on board, but some of the other ways that, um, companies are appealing to data scientists um, are a little more of a personal touch. For example, uh, and this brings us to some of the other touch points on how to bridge that gap between uh, corporate and and, and, um, academia. But if you send people from the company to speak in classes, professors love this. They love it when people raise their hand. Like you have a seasoned, experienced professional that works in data science from your company that's willing to go spend 50 minutes, five zero, and just talk about, you know, anything. Talk about some of the skills gaps that they see. Talk about a project that they worked on. Talk about how they're organized as a data science team. Talk about the different roles within data science. Like what's the difference between a data engineer and a machine learning expert and um, just provide some kind of content under the guidance of the professor and go go speak in the class. That's a fantastic way to get your name out there. I had um, a client come in or one of the executive council members. Um, actually, this happened many times, but I had this one particular one. They came into class. They sent two representative. Um, they were basically guest lecturing for a day. It was a, it was a 50 minute, um, 50 minute talk. And they hired three people, (laughs) three people out of my class from that one day. And this was during a time that was very, (laughs) right. (laughs) It was very difficult to find good data scientists. And these are top notch students that came on, but they loved the enthusiasm and the motivation and the fact that this company, you know, invested their time to come talk to them in class. Um, Another couple of examples to talk about is um, we had this program that was called Dava, Data. We had this program called Data Dive and Dine. And the Data Dive and Dine was run by the Analytics Club. 
at Georgia Tech. And um, what they did was we scheduled with a handful of companies. I think it was, it was either, it was like two, three or four companies. And it was on a Saturday. These companies would allow um, students to come in and tour their data centers. It's really intriguing. So I can't talk about um, the details of, you know, some of them, but I can tell you about this one that we saw the Atlanta Police Foundation let us um, go in and see, you know, in real time, what does their data center look like? And if you can see where crimes are happening, um, then you can map the propensity for additional crime, like right, there's lookalike models, there's predictive models, there's all kinds of models. And uh, to be able to see the data actually flow in in real time, we did that with a company that um, is in the insurance business and they're looking at storms and what kind of damage. We did this with a company in the power industry looking at their nuclear assets and the sensors that are part of them. Like different, different data centers let us go in and tour. And the, the dine part is um, we actually went to um, your former company, Brian, and they fed us. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was tour, 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 and then they would go get fed. Um, for yeah, we're good. We were good at Deloitte at buying food. <laughs> well, and it was a good, it was a good conversation. It was kind of like the download. Like, what did you guys learn from these, from these data centers? But that's another, that's another way of um, engaging with the universities by offering to. Um, provide tours for students and this can lead to a, a fantastic pipeline for hiring as well as other benefits that's that's you know that brings up that brings up a thought that i had you know some of the best best hires that i've had have been through your channels but i mean i think you're a unicorn and i mean that in a good way i i have not seen communities built the way that you build communities not here in LA. I mean, we have had guests on. Todd Trazas has been on. He started AIML in, in LA here. And we've had other community people, builders too on. Uh, but you have a real way, a real knack of building the bridge between academia and business. Um, and hats off to that. Uh, what's what's the trick? I mean, really, what's, what's a couple tricks that you must have something up your sleeve because you can do it so well? I or, do. Thank or, you so much. Or, or maybe what's the job description? Because I, I really want to get to the roles that need to fix hiring for data science. Right, right, right. No, I, I feel you. I feel you for sure. Um, I would say leverage your relationships and be authentic. Because that's those are two things that people tell me um, are the reason why I'm considered a data science community builder. But if you, so if you went to University of Georgia, right, which right now I'm an academic director over there. I'm, I'm in all kind of pots in the Atlanta area <laughs> with the schools. But if you're a University of Georgia graduate, as an example, um, and you reach out to um, a handful of professors, you're going to get some responses. I'm telling you, one of the best places to start is with speaking in class. That is typically the end. Once you get in there, then next thing you know, you're being invited to serve on the board. So like, for example, Emory, I'm also heavily involved in Emory in two different ways. They have a quantitative theory and methods program that, believe it or not, is at the undergraduate level. They're one of the only schools in the nation that have data science at the undergraduate level already. I'm also involved in Emory's executive education that I teach on Saturdays. 
So I started on the QTM program by um, going in as a guest speaker and uh, guest lecturer. Guest speaker turns into guest lecturer and guest lecturer turns into we serve on this board. And once you start serving on boards, then that can oftentimes turn into let's do something together. Let's do a hackathon. You know, especially if you're hiring these people for summer internships or you're somehow sponsoring um, a doctoral student by providing data. So I would say really there's three keys. Um, Be authentic and wanting to establish the relationship. Leverage the existing partnerships and relationships that you have, whether you're a graduate, whether your kid goes there, whether, you know, whatever. And number three, and this one's golden. It can be difficult, but it's golden. If you have data, (laughs) if you are a company and you have data that is extremely appealing to almost any university in the world because the professors want your data to analyze and write research papers on. The students want your data to be able to do a course project or a hackathon. Um, a lot of people will have, you know, will be very happy if you're willing to collaborate and work with them um, with their doctoral students, even wanting to use your data for their dissertations or for other types of research projects. So you have something that they want, um, your experience and and things like that, for sure. But your data is really, really valuable to universities. Data is king. It definitely So back to Don's Don's question. So Don, I was trying to catch up on your question too. So is the question you have for Beverly regarding how do you change the recruiting aspect to be more friendly to academia or is it how to make academia more friendly to the recruiting process? Well, I, I want to get more to the roles. So it really sounds like what Dr. Wright is describing. We need a new role on the recruiting team. I agree. I agree. A hacker evangelist. I mean, what is the role title? What do you want to call it? We can invent it right now and it'll go viral. I'm sure. I think it's industry relations on the academic side. And I think it's on, on the um, industry side, it's academic relations. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, you're, you're being a little explicit about, it. I like that. Um, I was thinking, Don, were you thinking something a little bit more abstract than that? Someone who's more of a community. Um, and I've seen this before. Some organizations have a community evangelist. Uh, I was thinking uh, Denny or someone like that we had on here recently was labeling himself Databricks as community evangelist. Right. Um, not a recruiting role explicitly, but hey, the community does mean something, right? Well, that's what I'm trying to get at is this um, an evangelist, except in the recruiting team. So they have very different activity than normal uh, recruiting team staff. So they're making the intersection with these students very early on. Um, probably at least by the sophomore year, and the content that they're serving up is very different, as as Dr. Wright's describing with the data. You know, and it sounds like there's a great startup opportunity in becoming a kind of a service layer for these companies to take their data and sanitize it in a way that could be consumable mm-hmm. um, oh, by the yeah. universities, and where it becomes sold to the recruiting team that service. Yep. I would say for sure. Yeah. And I can think of a couple of parties like data.world and other folks like that, that might be interested in doing that exact thing. And speaking of data, making data available, 
um, Beverly, you, you have something to say about doing social good as well. Uh, I know there's not a lot of time left, but can you just hire, fly over on that topic about what your involvement is with social good and data science? Yes. And I can put it into the university context as well. How about that? And companies. So um, I'm the operating officer for an organization called Atlytics. That's Atlanta Analytics for Community Service. Basically, it's a data science for good type of initiative. What we do is um, we use the knowledge of data science techniques and processes and methods, um, the same that we use to help America's companies generate more revenue and reduce our operating expenses. We use those same techniques, except we're using them to understand things that are applied for community betterment. That's fantastic. Is And I know we're probably way over time. So you gave us enormous amount of wonderful content and I have a huge amount of admiration for everything you have going on. Is there any leave behind? Do you want to, I know you have a podcast of your own and you have some other things going. Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners, whether how to find you or other things to get involved with or anything like that? Yes. Um, so my, my final piece of advice is, is just get involved, you know, find, find your niche, and get involved, whether that's um, doing one thing for some small nonprofit that you know, <laughs> or getting involved in something larger like a, a data kind, which is the national organization that we try to emulate, or something local like like Atlytics, A-T-L-Y-T-I-C-S, that's in Atlanta, that's um, doing data science for good locally. As far as how to find me, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Beverly Wright, PhD, CAP, which is Certified Analytics Professional. Um, you can also find Atlytics on Meetup, and you can listen to my podcast, which is called Tag Data Talk from Technology Association of Georgia, sponsored by Emory. Thank you so much. Uh, this was great. One wonderful episode and a lot of great contributions coming from you and thinking that a lot of we can take it to the industries, we can take it to the academia. So wonderful. Awesome. Good catching up with you. Thank you, Dr. Thank Wright. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye.